What is up, everyone? My name is Kyle. I'm with Danny. We are not talking about X-Men because this is not an X-Men podcast. You excited, Danny? New ventures? We're, we're stepping outside. Your favorite place. I'm actually quite excited about this because the X-Men venue for pop culture and just overall talk has kind of hit a lull societally on a societal standpoint. I agree. The gays disagree. They're loving it right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, but I mean, some of that, some of those things are directly made for them. So I don't blame them. (laughs) (laughs) I bet they are. I bet they are. Um, But not only Danny is with me, we also have Bing with us today. Yeah, that's right. Bing featuring Chat GPT four. Bing, what is your opinion of the X Men? Oh, oh my God! This is okay. You ready for this? This is intense. I don't think I've ever asked Bing this. I don't think it'll give opinions. It'll say, like, I don't have opinions, but this is what people are supposed to say. Oh, my. Yeah, Here we go. I don't have personal opinions or feelings. However, X-Men are a popular superhero team in the Marvel Comic Universe. They were created by Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, first pair, blah, 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 mutants, blah, blah, basic stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, like a, it's like he's, like, fucking parroting a Wikipedia entry. <laughs> I don't know. Let's see. What is the most popular X-Men character being oh okay this is gonna be wolverine for sure you think it's gonna yeah probably yeah it's gonna be one no it's gonna be or fucking magneto. Uh, yeah, wolverine okay yeah as i say magneto is definitely top five but all right according to being which brought up a list from fiction horizon top list is number one wolverine number two storm i agree with that actually uh, yeah the storm magneto, one makes sense that i would have guessed over magneto easily for professor x uh-huh. five jean gray Phoenix. Slash Phoenix. Slash oh, that's a, that's cheating though. That's not fair because right. th- that's so then like what Madeline Pryor and then we just keep going like her clone and then just that's dumb. <laughs> that's like then you're like cheating because you're adding in all those fans because who doesn't like the Phoenix? It's a cosmic being, yeah. but most people honestly the Jean Grey thing always kind of confounded me over time because I'm like Jean Grey hasn't been relevant in comics for so long. Why do people have this like candle for her that they keep holding on to? But. There you go. It's because they want to make it synonymous with the Phoenix. They, yeah, yeah. She, it'll always be her, apparently. Until it's not. Until we get that split. Why are we talking about X Men? This is not an X Men podcast. People, you brought up a I'm list sorry. of X Men information. Sorry. No, Bing. I'm sorry, Bing brought up a list of X Men. But you proposed the question to Bing. That's fair. That's fair. I'm you sorry, put you Bing. put Bing in a corner, and I'm nobody sorry. puts Bing in a corner. No one puts Bing in a corner. I apologize. Um, but we have uh, some topics to talk about today. We are going to give us uh, what we talked about, what we watched, saw, what we hated. We call it the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll oh, talk yeah. about those. But our main topic today is martial arts films, and that's going to be our big topic. We'll also do some news. Re- Lance Reddick died, which is crazy. Like oh, We were yeah, talking that's... about him. I want to talk more about the serendipity of us talking about him and then him dying more so than anything. We'll get to yeah, that. Yeah, that was and wild. And we will get to some uh, AI stuff, some AI goodness. Um, but first, Let's do some good, bad, and the ugly. Uh, For those who don't know, which is everyone, because this is the first episode, we are just going to talk about our weekly things that we enjoyed. We call it the good, bad, and the ugly. We have a nuanced one, which is the ugly. Maybe you like something. Maybe you thought it was funny, but it wasn't intended to be funny. Maybe some external force 
made it uh, change the situation, which is kind of one of my things today for the ugly. Um, who knows? Who knows? But I'm gonna let's start with the the goods for me. Uh, the goods this week is Cocaine Bear. Thought it was gonna be like cheesy B, B movie. Surprisingly good. I mean, it's still pretty you know low budget cheesy, um, but I enjoyed the scenes. People said there was a lot of uh, scenes with the you know just kids and humans and backstory and they want to see more bear mm-hmm. but i th- actually thought it was pretty well paced and we got character actress margo martindale mm-hmm. always good to see Surprising. her when i loved her when she played uh what was it will ferrell's uh mom and what was that movie oh you're talking about uh, uh stepbrothers Step right Bro- no not stepbrothers oh no no that's summer was it oh um, shit who did she play but she played will ferrell's mom in, in a movie and she was like perfect in that Bewitched? No, Bewitched. Just kidding. Yes. The new one. Kicking and screaming. The new one, Let's right? just list off terrible Will Ferrell movies and you'll you just hate me more. Yeah. Um, another good for me this week was The Last of Us. I didn't play the video game. Uh-huh. Uh, I read a lot about it. I even like watched cutscenes on YouTube. Surprisingly accurate. Mm-hmm. Really lean. Really lean. Like it, it, it didn't waste time whatsoever. It was okay. in and it was out. And I really appreciated that part of the series, and that there, there was no, there was no like just fluff. And that's whatsoever. surprising because you would feel that that genre at this point is kind of like a bit of a, a labored genre of, of television. Yeah. The post-apocalyptics, not zombies, but kind of zombies, but not aliens, but kind of maybe zombie aliens genre, or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> They're all just we don't. There's a monster. It's kind of zombie-like, and we're all trying to survive. Here's another TV series about that. There surprisingly wasn't a lot of zombies because that's the part of the video game where you play it uh-huh. typically. Uh-huh. So it's like it pretty much like cut a lot of that, which so I none of the the mushroom monsters. There was, a, there, was, there was some. It came. It came when it needed to come. Space but, space spores. But a lot of it didn't exist, and I was okay with that. I don't know if others are, but whatever. Hmm. I mean, I hear good things about it. I'm not that, like I said, that that whole scene is a little bit labored for me. So I'm kind of immediately withdrawn when I hear like stuff about it, and I see a new TV show based off of it, game or not. Plus, game, I don't know, game as a medium for movies and television, this is not a guaranteed success. It's not a known quantity yet. We have some wild like breakthroughs, like especially with Sonic, things like that. But the, I mean, the track record is pretty negative. So the second they're like, "It's a video game adaptation," I'm like, mm, "All right, maybe someday if I'm that desperate." But <laughs> but I'm glad. I'm glad to hear it's good and it's holding it down. I mean, it's a very popular series. The video game's pretty cool. Uh, I also kind of get tired of that genre because I'm over like the Resident Evil games as a whole and things that are close enough to that. But you know that might not be fair to Last of Us because it looks like it's it's taking on like those Nathan Drake games, the Uncharted games, mm-hmm. and it's like parroting or pivoting that into like a survival horror. So that's okay. That's kind of cool, and that was, that was a good game. So I mean, the Uncharted series is great. So I don't know. Uncharted with. Uh... Oh, oh shit, Tom man. Holland. Tom Holland. Oh man, oh, did you forget about that. Uh... Two Naughty Dog properties. <laughs> Jesus, but okay, that's cool. I mean, I respect that. That's a that's a good, it's a good series. I'll try it. It's not bad. It's nine episodes too, so it's not too long. Hmm. Like it's nine. Nothing's usually nine. It's six, eight, or ten, or twelve these days, right? Nine is exactly what it needed to be, so it was nine. 
Circling back to Cocaine Bear, so was the CG like unbearable at points? No pun intended. I don't uh, fucking know how I did that. Uh, I hate myself. No, it was good. It was really? Fine. It was passable. Okay. Know, all CG, I don't know if it's me because I, I look at CG these days and all CG just looks bad. Mm-hmm. So I just, whatever. I just like pass over it. Maybe I glaze over the CG and I'm just like, whatever. Don't care. But I thought it was passable. Okay. But, it, but it's through those eyes. Keep that in mind. That's okay. Okay. I can, I can roll with that. I'd, yeah. I'd give it, I'll give it a shot because I was turned off from what I heard about the movie. I mean, CG is expensive. We know that. Even bad CG. So it's like they're not, there wasn't going to be much bear from the get-go because of that hurdle that they didn't want to overcome. So I'm like, I don't want to watch a cocaine bear movie with like 10% bear. <laughs> 10% bear. I need at least an even split. Half of the screen time needs to be given to this bear. <laughs> But you know, what is your good? For the week? Uh, my good, I I would say right off the, uh, it's kind of a double that goes with like the holidays. Go since we're just leaving, um, St. Patrick's Day. Leprechaun. Uh, yeah, le- no Leprechaun <laughs> Four, the one when he goes to space and like of bursts course. out of a dude's dick and yes. kills him. It's a tr- true story. But uh, <laughs> no, uh, B- uh, Belfast. Belfast okay. came out in twenty twenty one. It's a, it's kind of like, I want to say Sin City meets. Schindler's List. Schindler's List because it's in black and white. Also, Sin City because it's in black and white. But right. the historical significance is appropriate to Schindler's List. The way they do the stylization and the cinematography and they get surreal with the eyes is very much like how they did it in Sin City. So the practical or the special effects and the unique cinematography is very akin to Sin City. Mm-hmm. But the the black and white setting of a kind of historical turn in history or historical event his, uh turn in in this culture that you're getting depicted kind of how in schindler's list you're seeing this big change culturally belfast kind of has a very similar approach to how these people are adapting to that change and that's where i kind of appreciated what it was is mm-hmm. it had this kind of layer between a unique like spectrum of movies that they pulled from because the old turn of like we're gonna do a black and white movie to make it artsy it, it can feel kind of lazy and phoned in but Belfast actually was pretty good about it. And I, I'm not familiar with the the director specifically. It was like Kenneth Bragna. Bragna? Bra? How do you say it? Kenneth Brana. Brana? Yeah. Okay. He directed uh, Thor, the, the Shakespeare dude. He's in, um, I'm trying to think. The only thing that comes to mind right now is Rodel Dorado. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, wow. See, see, that's. I had no uh, idea that was who that was. Why I wasn't. Can I think of Kenneth Brana? Yeah, he did a lot of, you're right, the Shakespeare-type movies like Othello, Hamlet. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And see, like, I wasn't familiar with it at all, or his work at all, so I was very excited to, like, get exposed to, like, a new aspect of, like, a director. In terms of directing, I know he directed Thor. What else did he do? First Thor. First Thor, yeah. Okay. Um, that guy got so buried under all the nonsense of the second Thor, and then, like, uh, Watiti taking over, and Ragnarok just kind of, like, overshadowing it. Death on the Nile. Adam oh, Fowl. that's a good one. Okay, Murder so I have seen some of his stuff Murder before. On the Orient Express. I okay, he I've seen Cinderella. The live action one. Yeah, the live mm. action one for Disney. I um, guess that makes sense with all his work with the Shakespeare stuff. Yeah, Thor. Let's see. If you like Hamlet, and then Winter's Tale, met Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, nineteen ninety four. Oh, is that the weird one with Robert De Niro in it? Let's see. Yeah, I think. Uh, 
Yeah, the Robert De Niro one. Oh no, that's yeah. a that's terrible that's movie. But this movie was phenomenal, and it was a perfect movie for like next next time around. It would be a great like St. Patrick's Day movie just to throw on. Because right. it's very innocent too. That's the thing. Is it's very much from perspective of a child trying to deal with the upheaval between the Protestants and the Catholics in the 1960s. I mean, we taste like 1969. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's wild. At one point, they just uh, you know are like, "Hey, like we can't. This place is inhabitable. It isn't inhabitable anymore. We got to get the fuck out of here." So yeah. you see that change for everybody. Whereas in the beginning, it's just a quaint town with people who all know each other, and it just turns on a dime. Right. So that's a good one. And then my second good kind of would have to fall on that. And Boondock Saints is still good. <laughs> it's still good. I watch it every every year on St. Patrick's Day, and that movie always delivers. I'm never. Never said back. That. It's been a while since I've gone back. I feel like the dialogue wouldn't hold up as well. Like the edginess that I thought was cool back in the day. Some parts are are definitely corny because of how like they kind of approach it with like, ah, we're we're trying to sound tough, but then you see like him leap off a building and crush a dude with a fucking toilet. It's it at least the they rise to the occasion. And Willem Dafoe is phenomenal in that. As a character actor, he like carries the movie at, at points. So even with the bad dialogue, his dialogue actually is like always fine. Right. I mean, Willem Dafoe could say something corny and be oh, great. Yeah. I mean, you like dances in a crime scene in that movie. Yeah, yeah, it's majestic. <laughs> you could. That's like that's an old school meme before people were even memeing things. Exactly. They're like, yeah, it was a firefly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, a, that's my good for the week. All right. Yeah. What about your bads? All right, the bads. I I would say right off the bat, um, I watched God's Country. God's Which I don't even want to talk too much about it because it felt like it was a formulaic attempt of, at a movie that would have probably been even bad when it was in its heyday mm-hmm. two years ago. So that's that's um, that's all I'll say for that. They were like a lazy attempt at like what they thought would be Oscar bait or something, something okay. in the ballpark. But no, pass on that. Pass that completely. Don't even look into it. Don't research it. Just if, if God's Country comes up, just be like, I'll watch something else. Now, this one that surprised me was The Boxer, 1997, I believe. Mm-hmm. Daniel Day-Lewis, it was right. another take on the whole IRA versus the uh, United Kingdom. And it was not good when it came to boxing. It was not good when it came to accurate historical depiction of both sides. So it almost felt like offensive on how, like, I guess you could say false their narrative was and how much they had their own agenda in the movie while trying to put it to the backdrop of like Daniel Day-Lewis's shoddy boxing. And it turned into a love story at one point because Daniel Day-Lewis is there. So they're like, we're going to make it also a romance. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on with this movie? Pick a lane and try to clean up your fucking history because this is aggressively bad. Especially, it's like one of those times where you're like, go back and watch a movie from the 90s and you're like, man, thank goodness people didn't have the internet. <laughs> Yeah, that's one of those movies. I don't think I've seen it since. No, I thought I was like, oh, boxing, Daniel Day-Lewis? This is great. Oh, it's dealing with like the stuff in like the United Kingdom, dealing with like the mm-hmm. fallout of like political prisoners after they tried to close up the whole war and yeah. and made it in, like all just this big political shit show. I'm like, this could be cool. Nope, didn't touch on enough of that. And all the Irish people are essentially just like Disney villains. So, ah, we'll just murder children and have no reason. <laughs> Even our own children. Like what? You just making them villains without even having a, a layered picture of both sides. Uh, that's a tough thing for most movies, especially from the American perspective. When we make our movies about our sides, it's always just okay. They just tilted the narrative in our favor and they put yeah. a handicap on the the people who lost, essentially. But yeah, that's those are my two bad for the week. Everything else I watched this week actually was pretty enjoyable. Fortunately, 
Nice. My bad is Shazam Fury of the Gods. That movie oh, was no. wrote. It was uh it was tired dialogue. It was a waste, especially from Lucy Liu, which was a waste of Lucy Liu, a waste of Helen Mirren. It was just generic bad guy. Uh the the wizard comes back somehow, which I missed for a second. I had to go back and figure that out. Um it was all over the place, and the weird thing is that in the TV spots <laughs> leading up to the opening this week, it just flat out shows the after-credits scene with uh, uh, Wonder Woman like helping out at the end, and it's <laughs> like, wow, you just like gave that away in your oh. in your uh, your promotions. They, they're pulling a, a Morbius. It's weird. I don't understand it, and. The whole movie itself was just it was a way, there was barely any of the children in there, and when they were in there, they're like all. Oh, they didn't bring the family together they're again. All, they're, they're all older now, so it's all weird. Oh, um, that yeah. Yeah, so kids age the, fast. All the family scenes were with the the Shazam versions. You know, it was barely the kids itself. Oh, uh, the I best see. parts of the film were actually like the family stuff, and them doing stuff together as a family, which was barely in there. Um, yeah, yeah, generic fights. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else positive. Who was the villain? To say, it was the uh, the Greek gods. I forget, but it was Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu. And are the, and the Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu play the Greek gods? I think it was the Greek, not the Greek. What are it's? Oh my God! What are the characters? I, I barely give a shit. I don't even. I, I've been there. I know what you mean. Where there, there's those characters, or there, there's there's these movies that make you so apathetic that you're like, I'm not even following the story they're, anymore. They're they're people that do things in the world, you know those people. Let's see. So they play Lucy Liu play Calypso. Oh, okay. And Helen Mirren plays Hespera. Yeah, those are Greek gods. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Greek gods. They're all like the, the, the wizard stole my powers from my my daddy, and and now you have them. So you bad, and that's that's the movie. That's unfortunate. Yeah, they lose their powers, they gain their powers. People die, people return. Um, not much happening, I must say. Unfortunately, there was a good moment in it where everyone was. Uh, all of them were there as the Shazam version, except for Pedro, who lost mm-hmm. his powers. And they pretty much gave, they showed up and they they told their parents that they were the, the superheroes. Oh. And then they're all like, "All right, all right, we'll we'll tell them on three our secrets." And then like they told them that they were superheroes, except for Pedro. He's just like, "I'm gay." Oh which wow! Which they, they hinted to at the beginning because he's just watching like gay porn earlier, oh. which I thought was pretty funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> gay porn in a superhero movie, right? So, is funny. Yeah. It was good, and they just look at him and they're like, "Yeah, we know," and then they just move on. Yeah, all right. Um, good moments like that. The, the very few and far between, though, in that movie, and it was. It's. I would definitely not recommend seeing that. Film. That's unfortunate. The first Shazam was such a good movie. It was one of the better DC, DC films. You movies, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah. you said the Wonder Woman was the only cameo. Wonder Woman was the cameo, and then uh, there's another cameo with the uh, Doctor Savannah at the end. Oh, jeez. Older, and and then the worms there. He's just like more time, more time. I wonder if they're just gonna keep bringing him back and just like no, no, no more time, more time. <laughs> just see him, just getting older. Just mining him. Just what do you, what do you? Yeah, he's just hanging out, uh, chilling. 
not really doing anything. He'll never make a comeback, but he's just chilling. They always show him in the jail cell. Oh, that's it's such a weird like trope now that they do in a lot of these where they're like, oh, here's another after after credit scene with some important guy in a jail cell. But yeah, and then the other after credit scene there was uh, what's it? the stuff with Wonder Woman you were talking stuff about? Stuff with Wonder Woman with uh, essentially uh, Billy Batson dies and they need a god to bring bring him back and she's the only god. What? That's that's dumb. Well, the, remember, remember Wonder Woman. Remember, we're like, I don't want to be reminded about her yet. Let's give that more time. That movie was bad. I mean, was this movie better than Wonder Woman eighty uh, four? Um. Oh. Okay. You know, it's more forgettable. Like. Uh, Wonder Woman was so bad in a way that I, I oh. don't think I'll forget it. Whereas Shazam, it's gonna just pass through me like Taco Bell. Okay, so they're like they're turning into the they're definitely copying the Marvel movies now because they're just trying to be as like run of the mill, forgettable, mediocre, non like cultural events. <clears throat> Most of the old Marvel movies, those were cultural events. When those would go off, yeah, it would be uh, it would be pretty like you know important for everyone to check them out. Now people are like, what was the last one I watched? What the fuck was that even about? Who? Shang-Chi. Yeah. They fought. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's it. Well, that sucks. Because I remember looking at the trailer for the new uh, Shazam, and I was like, oh, this ain't looking good. This ain't looking good. Mm-hmm. I'm not excited about this at all. Uh, it was, yeah, unfortunate. Well. Well, uh, we still got another Aquaman in the pipe, right? Oh, no. Let's, uh, let's move on. Let's move on. My ugly for the week is Operation Fortune. Oh. Now, everything about it I loved, except for some of uh, Aubrey Plaza's. She, she, I could take or leave her in that role. But mm-hmm. the reason it's in my ugly category is because, for some reason, uh, it happened two times. Uh-huh. Keep falling asleep. Oh, same point too. Oh, you know it's what? Right about where they meet. Uh, what's his name's character? Oh shit! Just uh, Statham. No, the English guy, the rich uh, dude. The rich English. Oh, you're talking about um uh, oh my goodness, he got busted soliciting a prostitute in the nineties. Yes, he was in. Mm-hmm. Um, all the, the the romance movies. Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant's character. And I was just, he's in Mickey Blue Eyes. When they got, <laughs> when they got Josh Hartnett to essentially yeah. go go and hang out with him, it's like right at that point. Every time, fall asleep. Their character dynamic and relationship was the be- one of the best parts of the movies about how Josh Hartnett had, had this crush on like Hugh Grant as like a like an idol as like what he wanted to be. So he like doted on him the entire time, where he's just like, this guy's so cool. Yeah. And then that twist with the end and like how his career kind of followed him as like a, uh, I guess you could say inspiration for acting. Like he models now his like acting around <laughs> that real life Hugh Grant character. But yeah, but yeah, that's kind of surprising that that um, yeah, the, this movie wasn't better in like its energy. It was low energy. It was a very low energy movie compared to like uh, the Man from Uncle. Like that's a spy movie that Guy Ritchie did, and that mm. that was amazing energy through the beginning to end. And the the characters had a better chemistry uh you're right Aubrey plaza didn't fit in that group nor does she fit in really any action or like psychological thriller kind of movie so she she just kind of she's niched herself out she's typecasted at this point i feel she has a good agent i think yeah yeah i think she just has a really good agent it's like jay courtney it's like why are you still around (laughs) i assume his agent is amazing that's fair 
That's fair. That's very possible because I, I couldn't understand how Guy Ritchie wanted to put her in this movie. And I didn't understand why he didn't cut back her roles after like watching like maybe the first quarter of the movie and seeing the chemistry land flat. I mean, I love Guy Ritchie. Like some of his movies, he's like, in my opinion, the English version of Tarantino. Like the way he uses music, mm-hmm. the way he reuses the same actors and kind of builds a good chemistry. Like he knows how to use Jason Statham very well. Yes. Revolver is my favorite Guy Ritchie movie, and it's got Jason Statham with hair. It's fucking crazy. It's a movie about chess. Honor three thousands in it. Check it out. <laughs> but but yeah, this movie did quite. It didn't work as well. I've actually like the Gentleman was probably better, and the Wrath of Man. The, both those were more captivating than this. This was kind of a weaker Guy Ritchie movie. Definitely enjoyed Gentleman. Gentleman was good. Fucking McConaughey worked in that setting with those people and and Guy Ritchie's like go to cast. He was a good compliment to that approach. But it doesn't hold up against Aladdin. What a movie by oh, Guy Ritchie. God. See, this is it. No, it's no, so weird. Like it. This is this weird thing that keeps happening. It's just like what we were talking about before, where it's like, oh, he did Cinderella, the live action one. And you're like, oh, and then Guy Ritchie did the Aladdin one. And there's all these famous directors doing these movies that are just like shot for shot remakes of, of nothing. People. You can yeah. throw money at people. We like your name. We want your name on the billboard with the movie because there's nothing else coming to this movie except it's a remake. And maybe if people think your twist is getting put into it, they'll be like, okay, oh, you tricked me again. But it's like they've done that nine times. Like at this point, people have to be wise to. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't even know what the last like Disney remake was. It's uh, Little Mermaid's coming out soon. Oh, it's I thought that already movie. came out, but okay. I think it's like they'll probably though. do another Milan as well. They know their market. They're chasing. <laughs> what about you? What is your ugly? All right, my ugly. Uh, that, that's easy. I watched uh, Kingpin again for the first time oh. in about gosh, I want to say almost like ten years. Oh. And it holds up. It's a good movie, but it's definitely visually an ugly movie. And I mean, like, some of the things that they show in the movie are still very cringeworthy and very uncomfortable. And there's some things with the old lady. Things with the old lady. Some just like just some mishaps with fluids and like vomiting and things. People drinking too much. Bad tattoos. The scene with Randy Quaid flossing and the chunks. Randy Quaid. Oh yeah, that was bad. The the nipples with Randy Quaid when he goes gets the. Yep. Uh, Bill Murray is very ugly in it, but in a good way. Like his character (laughs) is the best. This is Bill Murray's best movie. I'm saying it right now. No, no, he plays. He's he's. It's not Bill Murray's best movie, but he is the best character in this movie. Yes, which makes me think he is an asshole in real life because he plays an asshole so well. Yeah, he really. Oh my gosh, it's like that moment where his hair is sweaty and just like his comb over is like flopping. Mm -hmm. It's it's an ugly movie, but it's good still. It's ugly, but it's ugly fucking movie. And and honestly, it's what's a Farley Brothers, right? So it's this was what they said was like their one of their hardest worked on movies. But uh, I don't know. It seems like people liked it's something about Mary or something about Mary better. Like that seems like that was more commercially successful. But cult wise, I think this is definitely where it's at. Did this come out first before? No, I think it was after. Oh, this was after, I believe. Let's see, it was 96 and wasn't... Oh, no, it was before. It was before. Because this is the first appearance of the uh, guitarist and drummer that are in uh, It's Something About Mary. Yeah, Those guys show up for the first time in this movie when he, they go yeah. to a bar and they're there playing. And that's weird because they're like in a shared universe. Mm-hmm. So this was this is their cult following. The other one was where their success really came. Yeah. But yeah, that was... Yeah, the movie's ugly, but it's still good. 
Yeah. People should watch it. Let's go check that out. Check, rewatch it, man. It's funny. Let's check it out. It's fucking hilarious. All right, all right, cool. Let's 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 move on. You like uh, you like Iron Maiden, Danny? Mm-hmm. You like Iron Maiden? I very much do. I'm very very turn into the main. your attention to the screen. Okay. As we as we watch this this all right. TikTok all right. video, you ready for this? All right, let's do this. Here we go. I'm gonna pause it every once in a while. Okay, so oh, this is the outfit I wore today. It's very cute. We can all agree it's a vibe? Mm-hmm. Can we agree that it's a vibe? Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> you sure? I mean, if if she's using vibe and as like a replacement for the word style or just like a clothing like approach, fashion style, like then yeah, sure. Okay. Anyway, somebody asked me today. A man, of course, of course, it was asked me. Can you even name three songs by Iron Maiden? Mm. Which, it's 2023. I can't believe we're still doing this. But he did, so I looked him down the face and I went, I don't think they're a real band. I think it's just from that Teenage Dirtbag TikTok trend. Teenage Dirtbag Do you know the Teenage Dirtbag TikTok trend? No. I have no idea what this is either. I was going to say, that's a real thing, but Iron Maiden's not a real band. And that's unfortunate. She couldn't name like three songs because there's like so many that like pop culturally show up in movies and television in the background or just like are referenced all the time. I I don't know. That's weird. But I guess it makes sense. People are very quick to like digest music and move on these days. Most art doesn't have longevity. They don't want it. (laughs) And his face. Mm Mm-hmm. It gets better, it gets better. So then he was like, no, it, it's a real band. Like, it's a real metal band that's mm-hmm. on your t-shirt. And, like, I don't think you should wear the t-shirt if you don't know their music or whatever. And I was like, that is so cool. They're going to, like, they're probably going to, like, blow up now that they're popular on TikTok. They're probably going to blow up now that they're popular on TikTok, Danny. Is this is she serious? Yeah, and she's like, it, I almost feel like her. She's being like snide. She's you know, a little like snarky. One of the like she's fucking around. Always shining light and unknown artists. Oh wow! Okay. It's so cool. Is she is she being sarcastic? Is she being tr- or is she being uh, genuine? I don't know, but that's the kind of girl. Like if she dressed like that back in the day when I was in high school, like I'd be like, this girl's amazing. And now if I'd see it, I would definitely be suspect. I definitely would just take one look, especially her hair color. I'd be like, ah. You don't look like the kind of girl I would go along with. <laughs> but cool. Good for you for at least being a physical, bi- or no, a biological construct billboard for Iron Maiden. Like, if people don't, you know, you know, people don't know, but they're still showing and repping the band, then that's getting the getting them out there, you know? And, you know, teenage dirtbag TikTokers got to have some purpose. Teenage and if, if getting the getting the word out about Iron Maiden is what they do, then you know good for, good on them good, good on them good on them <laughs> good on them <laughs> teenage dirtbag tiktokers yeah proud of you guys um let's talk about the news oh were you gonna say something i was gonna say and and real quick it, it run to the hills fear of the dark and invaders let's just yeah there's there three go. those are those oh, are those uh, are the best i just i wanted to end on that because it was like it was bothering me i was like well that that's what i would have said i would have just said that and moved on <laughs> I was seeing your face, dude, and then walked away. And I earned this T-shirt. <laughs> All right, uh, let's uh, talk about the news quickly today. One 
entertainment news, one tech news topic. First one, Lance Reddick passed away, oh, yeah. which is crazy because we were literally just talking about him. We were watching corporate. Yeah, I just threw it on, on randomly. Yeah. And then he just died. <laughs> he just like, like, put it on and then, like that day he died. <laughs> it's like it's in the hive mind, the cultural hive mind, and I just I absorbed it somehow through my just ether. Just I don't know. Crazy. So his last film will be John Wick chapter four. He is in that. Plays the concierge in all the John Wick movies. Mm-hmm. He's in corporate. Um, he was uh, Alan Rails, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. And uh, Rick and Morty. That's, that's true. <laughs> that's true. He was. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, but he's dead, so I uh, guess they won't be bringing him back. Yeah. Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, he was in that. What was he in that movie? That's true. Oh, man. God, what? But yeah, he's uh, what a terrible. He's a pretty good character actor. He was until like last week. I was just like that one guy, mm-hmm. and it, now that like we talked about him and he died in the same week, I will definitely remember his name. Yeah, it's uh, such a bizarre coincidence. Yeah, and I just wanted something to fill time while we waited for Rob to show up, and I was like, yeah, let's put in some episodes of corporate, and we marathoned it for a bit, and then he died. I was like, okay, I guess it was appropriate. At least he was relevant when he died for us. <laughs> like it's like to think about people who died. You're like, oh, they haven't been culturally relevant in a movie or in anything for a long time. It's like we literally just watched something with him. Yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, that's that sucks. Yeah, the character actors like that are far and few in between these days. So because he he could pull the look off, but then also have range in his comedy and seriousness, and that's not normal. Normally, they're like, we can either do the look or we could do the other thing, but we're not going to give you both. You get a lot of these vapid actors that are just there as props and not like actual conversational pieces. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, unfortunate. Yeah. Um, moving on. Uh, let's talk about some AI stuff, Danny. Chat okay. GPT 4 is here. Um, it is pretty awesome what we can do with AI these days. Uh, with Jet- Chat GPT 4. Um, which is not released to the public yet. You could do, it could uh, essentially ingest images, videos, uh, and uh, maintain re- maintain relationships. Maintain relationships. So get this out. So they have an internal version at OpenAI of it where it handles and ingests images and all these things. And it was given a task. Um, I gotta look this up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the ta- it essentially was given a task to do something and and on the internet and it was essentially uh there was a capture that came up so uh the capture came up it went to i believe task rabbit and it paid a human to solve the capture for it so it could get through the capture that's uh, you know what that, that makes, is fucking amazing. <laughs> that make cap- that pretty much makes captures uh, irrelevant. I think that's a pretty good <laughs> use case for that. True, which is crazy. True, but also the fact that it was able to branch out of its functionality and and take something that it I mean it doesn't knowingly know that it's interacting with a living person to get this accomplished, but the fact that it went down that avenue and utilized it was amazing of its own volition. Uh, yeah. Uh, chat GPT three was barely able to pass the bar exam. Chat GPT four could pass in the 90th percentile. 
So I think that's like 90% or higher. What the fuck? That's amazing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's just... It's either telling of like a flaw in the inherent system of how the test is made or a testament to the evolution of, of Chad GPT and what it was uh, origi- sending out for when, what it was originally designed for. Yeah. Uh, the cooler thing this week also is that uh, Microsoft, Microsoft's on, on fire these days. Um, they released essentially ChatGPT4 built into Office 365. So say you have this giant data set in Excel, you could go to ChatGPT and say like, all right, uh, what well, it has the highest percentage of use. And it'll like look through, say if you have a giant excel document full of thousands and thousands and thousands of just items it could like talk to you and be like yeah this is what you're looking for it looks like this is like kind of the average it becomes like a digital curator for you this is great yeah Yeah. no that that would save a lot of time because yeah thumbing through all that stuff can be so time consuming apparently because it's built on like 365 it's also built into what is it again hangouts no meetings what's the the microsoft one Uh, oh yeah uh I used but, to know it. But essentially, like, it could be able to, like, if you're late for... Don't they have Skype? Didn't they buy Skype? They did, and then they killed it, and then they made their own thing. Oh, okay. That's yeah. why I can't remember it then. I yeah. was like, I thought it was Skype. I think it's Meetings. Oh, okay. I think it's called... Uh, it's either that or Google had Meet? something like that. Microsoft Meet? Yeah. Something like that? It's terrible. Um, it could, like, inform you of, like, meeting notes, what's happening. It could sum up based off of what people are saying. It, like, literally takes all the audio and, like, summarizes it. Oh, so it's like a note taker. I like that. Yeah. Uh, Pretty crazy stuff. That's cool. Um, We're utilizing it on the website. You may or may not read uh, some topics that are generated from an AI. Which is good. We're not mm. gonna we're not gonna give you like a personal opinion that's sandwiched between three ads. Yeah. And oh then, my gosh. And then like give you the data that you have to scroll all the way to the bottom of the page. You know. It's that it's, algorithm, man. It's we'll just you want you're like you could blurb this up in like three sentences, and they're like, yeah, but we got to get to the top of Google's like algorithm. Yeah. So here's like nine paragraphs to explain like two sentences worth of information. There's so like, much I just want to know a little bit about this video game, and you made me fucking read a book. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Google incentivized all its, uh, or since YouTube incentivized all its users to hit the 10 minute mark to actually make money and monetize their videos. That's why you have so much bullshit now. Oh. Just people talking mm-hmm. for no reason. They're trying to hit that 10 minute mark. They're like, they're just like politicians where it's yeah. just like, okay, yeah, you said a lot, but no substance, just but you did say, you say a lot. Wasting so much time that Google could say, we have billions and billions of hours of users. Yeah. Use watches or whatever. <laughs> What's Good the metric you. of quality on you that? wasted <laughs> life, yeah. <laughs> Congrats on just wasting more life, Yeah, Google. Yeah. Um, you excited for robots, Danny? Of course. Why wouldn't I be? Why the fuck? Oh, I've seen what, what humanity's had to offer. Let's I, see what robots got to offer. I genuinely think in like two to three years we'll have, it might be expensive, but we'll have a Jarvis. Like I, that's what the essentially the Amazons and the Google chat uh, Google what are they, the speaker home speakers want to be. They're not there yet. This is going to make them there. Once they hit the point of the robot companion that you can fuck, the social paradigm will shift so dramatically. It's gonna be fucking it's hilarious. Be it's like the weird shit when COVID happened. You saw these weird sh- like paradigm shifts. That's gonna be like one that ripples across all of society in such a fucking massive way. Like the way people like build their lives, the things that they look for in relationships, like all that will change. All that will change. 
the popularity like people who were popular will no longer be relevant or popular they'll be replaced by robots <laughs> uh sex robot sex robots everywhere it's gonna be frustrating because you're gonna run down and you're gonna be like all right i gotta take my ai uh, i gotta authenticate it through my new ai robot and then you go to log into your robot and it's just like the servers are down because it's cloud-based nothing's local anymore and you're just like i just want to fuck my robot right now i can't log in what do i do fuck you facebook <laughs> damn it this is bullshit i guess i'll go get catfish nine times and maybe get lit <laughs> Oh, that's unfortunate. It's like those people with the the Tesla cars, and they're waiting for the updates, and they can't drive their car. Dude, so when I that's rent, scary. When I rented the Tesla, they're, they're, mm-hmm. there's no trunk latch. You got to go under the fucking monitor under settings. And oh, push trunk. Not trunk. Sorry. Uh, um. Uh, glove box okay glove box latch you know okay. it's just so hard to open a glove box i gotta go through menus yeah that and that, click glove box open and then it opens. it's right there and you're like i could have just pulled I this back just, like and they're right like no nah, no 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 we got it we made it esoteric this that is, fun. is form over function to the max right there yeah, that's scary Jeez. it's it's not no no we're overthinking it cars are don't don't cars and technology are are a little scary. As long as Tesla doesn't design the sex robot, you got to push on the menu, open vagina. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on to the main topic of the week. We are talking martial arts films. That is right. Um, we love martial arts films. I grew mm-hmm. up on martial arts films. Mm-hmm. The RZA grew up on martial arts films, mm-hmm. which inspired this. He just did an interview where he did his top martial arts films. And we said, hey, I could do that. I could do that thing with that you're doing right there on the monitor. I could do that in a mic and do it back to people. I could stuff that thing and yeah. thing that stuff. Yeah, exactly. So that's what we're doing. And that's mm-hmm. what we're here today. We're talking about our top five martial arts films and it's not really the top five it's just more top i treat it more like this is a very impactful like what has impacted me throughout the years personal list personal and it's there's a lot of things that i didn't add to this list that are amazing because they're not the top five best martial arts films they're your top five favorite martial arts films exactly yeah exactly uh so let's uh kick this off i'm gonna start off I'll start off. All I'm right. gonna be bold. I'll jump the. I'll jump. I'll jump. I'll take the jump. I'll do the kick flip off of the three steps. I'm only ten, but I could do this. I'm ready. All right. All right. <laughs> He's gonna do it. Um, number He's five. Gonna... Number five. Now the reason it's on this list is one you introduced me to this film. Oh, I'm I want to say that. Um, I would say it's it's there's so many other films in this genre that. If I were to have watched it earlier, like I did these other films, I might have not been on this list because, but because you introduced it at a weird time, it worked and it's very memorable, and it's on this list now, and that is the Master of the Flying Guillotine. <gasps> yes. Oh wow. Um. So I really enjoyed this film. Oh, I don't know wow. how I missed it. You introduced it like twelve years, I think, something like that. Long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I oh, this wow. one just completely flew by me, and I enjoyed every 
minute of it. It was it was exciting. The martial arts was great. I enjoyed the ridiculousness of his hat that oh, wow. literally cuts off heads. It like traps your head and then it rips it off. It's great. That's like a great cheesy like a cheesy effect that worked so well for its time. I enjoyed that. Um, the funniest thing, I don't think they intended it to be funny. I think they intended it to be an incredibly racist, mm-hmm. uh, was mm-hmm. the part mm-hmm. where he's just all mm-hmm. like, you, Chinese man, yep. I will fight you with honor. You, Japanese man, I will fight you with honor. Filipino man, f- fuck you, <laughs> fuck you, <laughs> fuck you, you piece of shit, you piece of shit brown man. You, <laughs> that, that still probably wasn't the most racist thing. The Indian man was bla- in blackface. <laughs> He was in blackface oh, the whole time. <laughs> He's and 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 there's one of the competitors is not even a martial artist. He's a Japanese sailor. Did yeah. you notice that the dude with the like the fish hook? Yeah. He was just a Japanese sailor because there was a Japanese karate guy that kind of looked like Thanks Raiden, <laughs> and he was like an actual. They treated him like a legitimate character with like depth. The other guy was just like the Japanese sailor. <laughs> it's just like versus Muay Thai master. Uh, <laughs> it's like what the fuck? I'm so blown away. I'm so blown away. I I don't want any spoilers, so I don't want to load yet. That that might also be on my list. That may or may not be on his list. All right, all right, oh. all right. But I'm 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 so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I enjoyed this film. Came out in 1976, mm-hmm. and like I said, I only watched it 12 years ago. Directed by Jimmy, Jimmy Wang. Wang. Jimmy fucking Wang. Jimmy Wang uses his whole name, but but he predominantly goes by Jimmy Wang, and he is a fucking just powerhouse when it comes to his lineage in the martial arts he's done several movies this movie is actually a sequel is a sequel to the one-armed boxer boxer, and you can watch this movie without having seen it because there are parts where they have flashbacks to it Mm -hmm. and they look weird and they're in like lower quality and you're just like they also black and white it as like a dream effect which is good but the quality is so noticeable and if you go back to watch the original it's like oh wow the quality was just bad it wasn't that they were like recutting it into their movie you're like oh they actually gained a lot of a lot of uh, special effects and a lot of uh, film advancement by the time they made uh, Master of the Flying Guillotine. One on Boxer's good. I love the one on Boxer, but it's like the special effects in that are like a dude it's... inflates his stomach and, with like a fucking air compressor and he's like, look at me, I'm all bouncy. And it's just like... weird. I saw the one on Boxer back in the day, mm-hmm. but I never went and saw him. Master Jimmy Wang likes to do a lot of these movies uh, with the one arm type character because yeah. he also does the one arm swordsman, which one-armed is a two part series as well. Yeah, and that's not as good, but it's good still because Jimmy Wang he gets all in on his just like his weird ideas. Like, I mean, I'll talk about it more when we get around to it on my end. But it's like this 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 movie is like a cornerstone of like so many mm-hmm. martial arts mm-hmm. tropes in that kung fu genre. That will become like staples moving forward. That like everything takes from this movie, yeah. everything that is modern after it. Yeah, and it's beautiful. I loved it. I enjoyed every minute of it. I go back every once in a while and watch parts of it. So number five. What's your number five? Oh, that's easy, man. Surf ninjas. No, I'm just kidding. Holy shit. <laughs> no. I wanted at first. I wanted to like hit you with like a fake list where I was gonna be like Surf Ninjas, the remake of Karate Kid, fucking Rocky oh, Balboa, God. fucking uh, Volcano High, and <laughs> just like terrible shit. But I'm like, and then Surf Ninjas. But Surf Ninjas is legit. No, no. My my um my number five is Anbok Muay Thai Warrior, the Tony Jaa joint. 
on Bach is one of those martial arts movies that is unique because it's not focused heavily out of mainland China. It's not coming out of Japan. And it's not one of those martial arts styles that are traditionally focused on in a martial in a particular martial arts movie that's mainstream. Throwing them elbows. Elbows and knees. Elbows, elbows and knees all day. The Muay Thai boxing. Like yeah. the kickboxing of their native homeland is so integral to the to how those people live, how they worship, how they they carry themselves throughout their lives. Yeah. So it's like this character was the embodiment of that spirit and that stuff coming out of Thailand at that time because a lot of MMA stuff and movies mm-hmm. were starting to pick up about uh, Muay Thai. Yeah. And then that had not been touched since like what, the late 80s, early 90s with a lot of stuff with uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Jean-Claude. So that's like the resurgence of that with Tony Jaa being so phenomenal in that movie. He became like a, a Jackie Chan, you know, Donnie Yoon action star, martial arts action star in his own right after this movie. And I remember seeing it for the first time. My buddy showed it to me. Actually, Max and Dwayne. Max Max showed it. And we sat down and they're like, wait till you see the knee bomb. And the whole time through the movie, I was like, was that the knee bomb? And they're like, you'll know. Just you'll wait. You know. And then at the end, when he like jumps in the air, pulls both of his legs back and he knees a guy through a wooden plank into the ground. (laughs) Such a good fucking movie when it comes to fighting and physical art. But what made me love the movie is the fact that there's so many variations of it. You can watch it in its original, in its original dubbing, in its native language, and you would be like, "Okay, this this isn't that funny." There's nothing. It's very by the book. It feels very straightforward martial arts or a translated movie with subtitles. But then you put the dub on, and the people who dub it are like popular anime voice actors and so you recognize them and they're like dubbing real life people in this like over the top action movie and it just makes it so much greater it's like you could watch two different movies that's the beauty of Onbok is it's literally two for one if you follow like the the main dub and the original sub it's I love Onbok so much and I'm I'm gonna take a swing at this I always I always fuck up this name but the director of the movie is Parachaya Pink, Pinko? Yeah, Thai names are so hard. Yeah. No. Parachaya Pinko? Yeah. I believe. And um, the only other stuff he's done, which is more Tony Jaw stuff, is the Tom Yuk Goon, which is um, in American, they fucking rebranded as the Protector because the Jackie Chan Protector movie is popular and they were like, fuck it, Asian guys. And I'm like, you motherfucker. <laughs> so so that they, those movies have nothing to do with each other, but Tom Yuk Goon 1 and 2 are both very good. If, if you like Ong Bak, like, that's, that, watch all those. They're all on the server. <laughs> They're all great. But yeah, that's my number five. I mean, that one was one where like the martial arts really felt painful, really painful. Like when he would elbow and yeah, kick people. Like the, oh yeah, yeah. to the face and to yeah. the skull. The sound effects that they used were perfect. Yeah, a lot of the punches when you throw them in like a lot of martial arts movies, it doesn't look painful and it looks like they're doing choreography. Whereas this, it's like he would push his arm into people, he'd push his knee into people, mm-hmm. so you would see the force. It's great, yeah. but that's yeah, number five. That one has stayed with me, and that made. Thailand to be forced to be reckoned with in the martial arts uh, cinema industry. Ong Bak was on uh, in the running for my number two spot. Oh. Did not make it. Fair enough. And the trilogy, too. There's three Ong Bak. Three Ong Baks. Impressive. Uh, yeah. And it was a simple story. It was just like, dude tries to find his golden Buddha head. Yeah, it gets stolen from his village. They sent him out. They put all the money together to kind of get him to go out. It's it's just kind of a it gets kind of you get kind of choked up sometimes in the movie if you watch it in its original subtitle score. Yeah. 
the dub it's it's impossible you're just like ah it's funny as shit <laughs> oh fuck he just nailed him in the face <laughs> good balance of comedy and action but yeah onbach number five solid for sure nice. i'll always remember that all right let's move on to number four for me is i love this film i watched it probably like 20 times as a child and it was probably one of my earlier uh jackie chan films oh that I've okay watched. i'm so excited this is, this is one of the, the he's he's here a couple times oh okay he's here how many times he's here more than once i'll say that all right um 1980 film oh, shit. something about this film i love its simplicity it's like crudeness like the the film itself it looks very cheap it looks like it's something from the 70s even though it's 80 1980 mm-hmm. uh city hunter no i'm just kidding <laughs> 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 would be such a uh, but no this movie is the big brawl <gasps> also known as battle creek brawl in some yeah places. that's a fucking brilliant oh it's my god so, that's a good jackie chan movie it's super unique um it takes place in like the early like forties, I want to say. Yeah, it's a very, very like men in suits, men wearing nice hats, well dressed martial arts. <laughs> and it's essentially uh, mob boss is looking mm-hmm. for a fighter to help beat this one dude. That's really tough, and that's the yeah. whole kind of idea. Yeah, he's brought in as a she, ringer. Jackie Chan comes in and fights the tournament. Before he fights the tournament, there's just like a Jackie Chan hanging out with his girlfriend mm-hmm. and hanging out with his uncle. His uncle is Mako. Rest in peace, Mako. I love Mako so much. Um, especially that scene where he's like training and Mako is uh, just kind of like hanging out. And then he plays around and he's dancing and then he makes him fight him. And he's fighting with the cane at the beginning. Oh, yeah. That's an interesting scene because it establishes that like even though he's silly and weird, it's like he's actually a force to be reckoned with. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, And it sets up the character great. Um, Yeah. Everything about this was – and it had that like slapstick element that I love about Jackie Chan. Mm his where, comedic background yeah, from his tripping, gymnastics and, and stunts. Like he's accidentally hitting people with like plates and everything. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love it. I love it so much. Um, and I've seen this so many times. I just watched it again like a couple days ago. Nice. That's great. It holds up. Um, a lot of Asian racism. Mm-hmm. If you don't like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are you, you going to do? It's a movie about the 40s. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be analogistic as fuck. <laughs> They're not going to pull punches. Yeah. But it's very much like a, the, the the design of the cover and the name mm-hmm. feels like they were hearkening back to like the design and uh, stylization of the Bruce Lee movies. So it's yeah. like, but then it has the Jackie Chan kind of comedy peppered into it. But the fight scenes were very, very much reminiscent of like a Bruce Lee movie. This is a good one. That's a good choice. That's a very underappreciated Jackie Chan joint right there. It is. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. That one didn't get like the American treatment like a lot of the other ones did. The redubbing, the fucking 10-year (laughs) re-release. What's your number four? Okay. My number four is The Raid Redemption. Wow. Yeah. That's the, this is the most modern movie on my list. The Raid Redemption is such... Mm -hmm. A brutal, 
powerhouse of martial arts being shown off in a tight but also a practical setting. I mean, there's no tournament. There's no competition. It's literally just martial arts being used for the sake of survival. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. all we're getting from the Raid Redemption is like these guys have to survive. And so they're going to fight by any means. It reminds me a lot of like Juk Kune Do with the Jet Li where it's like people are going for eyes. People are going for throats. People are going for your temple. Yeah. Yeah, there and and it's like they're good gunfighting. There's good, and this is a weird thing where I thought when we were making this list, I was like, do I want to put like gun fu? Like, do I want to have a lot of John Woo type stuff? And then I thought about Raid Redemption. I was like, you know what? That kind of overcomes it because they do a lot of gun fu kind of martial arts and things like that. But predominantly, there are parts where they're just fighting hand to hand, and they're just two guys throwing down, no weapons, just two guys fighting in a room trying to battle each other bloody had been fighting already five ten different times throughout the entire fight or the entire movie so it's just that's a very brutal and realistic approach to like prolonged fighting whereas a lot of these other movies especially the older like we're talking Jean-Claude Van Damme it's like that dude will fight like 40 people and he'll be like yeah I look great (laughs) it's like you've been punched you got cut where's the you just like dried blood on you how's that possible whereas this is by the end of the movie they look like they went through something and it inspired a lot of movies. Like the Judge Dredd movie literally like uh, two, three years later came out and was like an Americanized version of The Raid. And I, I really appreciate that movie for, for not only being another unique one that's not out of fucking Japan, mm-hmm. not out of mainland China or anything like that, not out of Hong Kong. It's like there's a Indonesian, right? If I don't, if I'm not. Yeah, Indonesian. Yeah. 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 It's an Indonesian martial arts thriller like what other indonesian movies do you know that are dope martial arts like thrillers like that are rememberable like that i mean they've come out with a lot of martial arts movies since then but that that this one is like the only one that i remember and it was uh aiko uas Mm -hmm. he went on he was in the second they made a sequel and then i think they have another movie that's by the the director which is a Garth Evans? <laughs> it's not, oh, I didn't. I was not expecting Garth Evans to be the director. He's actually quite like known in the in like the global in the English circuit for like some older like movies that weren't as good as as any of his later stuff. Yeah, Iko Uwais and uh, like Yayan Ruhian. I think I'm butchering these names, but uh, they were also had. And were poorly utilized in Star Wars. Remember that scene where they showed up? They were in uh, what was the the Force Awakens? The when they met uh, on uh, Han Solo's ship, and they were that like crew like. Oh and, shit! That, that was the raid team. Oh, that was all them. Fuck! I didn't even realize that. Yeah, underutilized as fuck in that. That's unfortunate because like this was this was a movie that kind of like opened up their career to the entire world, and for it to kind of like hit that point where it's like, oh, you made a Star Wars, but now you're like. You fell flat. You're like a bad cameo. Like, I could think of cameos that were better than that. But yeah, this movie is great. And I, I like the, 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 the Indonesian, like, film racket now when it comes to, like, crime martial arts cinema. Mm-hmm. Like, Jailbreak, I don't think, has him in it. But I, and I'm not sure if it's the same director, but it's the same kind of movie. And it has that kind of vibe where it's like, all right, we get in and we fight our way out. And it's surprising they even made a sequel to The Raid, which wasn't as good, but still good. It was dark. This is mu- and it was much more. People like actually two more from my really my experience. Oh wow! Yeah. To me, it didn't feel like there was. It, it felt more surreal, like it was like parody of itself. And they were like, because that darkness to it, they're like, oh, it's way more extreme now. It's like a the the fucking Batman revamp. You get the Brett Ratner treatment. <laughs> oh, 
God. <laughs> no, it's like not that no. bad, but still, like it gave me like kind of that where I'm like, oh, it's it's fucking a, a metal version of Raid Redemption. Look how dark and spiky they are. But no, yeah, it's still good. It's still good. I don't want to clown on it. It's just the first one was so impactful, it blew me away. I was like, this is an Indonesian martial arts movie that I didn't ever expect, and it, I rewatched it just a few days ago, and it's still great. Still breathtaking. The characters are still enjoyable. The plot to it is still like palpable enough, even though it's still kind of silly. But then again, it's Indonesian politics, Indonesian laws, crime, people, society. Like that's things that are kind of foreign to me. So seeing it play out, I'm like, well, you know, this lives, their lives could be like that. These people could live these ways. And I looked into some of it and I was like, oh, damn, Indonesia's rough. <laughs> this is on my list. Great. Yep. Goddamn. We, well, what's your next one, Kyle? All right, going to numbers one, three, three, yeah, three. All right. Um, I thought about this one. I thought, what wait, what was your four? The big brawl. Oh, the big brawl. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then five was master of the plane. Plane kill team. Okay. Yeah. So number three. Okay. I thought about this hard. Uh, I, th- I was thinking about making it hero for a little bit. Oh. Hero with Dustin Hoffman from the night. No, I'm just kidding. Of course. <laughs> but what I ended up going with was the movie uh, My Father is My Hero, also known in America as Jet Li's The Enforcer. Oh, damn, son. So this one I was another film that I just watched the shit out of as a little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a, it's a weird, it's a, it's half martial arts film, half Hong Kong action, like police thriller. Yeah. Because it's about essentially uh, Jackie Chan's, Jackie, uh, Jackie Chan, Jet, Jet Li. Li and his son, essentially, and his story's parallel. He's not hanging out with his kid. His kid went to a martial arts tournament and won, but he wasn't there because he was like taken down like a big crime boss mm-hmm. at work and stuff. And it's like kind of like uh, one of those like inside job type of things. He's trying to figure out what's happening inside the force. Um, but the entire film is just Jet Li fucking people up trying to figure out because eventually they. St- kidnap his son and they're trying to get he's trying to get back his son and it's just gently it is like uh, like a hong kong version of uh, taken i feel almost in many ways um the best oh, part about this like film that. at the end is he ties the son up to a rope he finds his son he gets his son back and he ties his son up to a rope and he just yo-yos his son like he throws his son at a dude and the, 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 the kid kicks the dude and then he pulls him back and it's so cheesy and it's awesome i love it so much and he's just yo-yoing his kid around he's like i remember that scene actually yeah i remember the choreography from it because the kid's like it goes very limp and he looks almost like a like a weapon because of how like lifeless he gets while he's being flung around it's bizarre that's a that's a that's like a buried gem though of a Jet Li joint. Like that's not even like surface area pop culture Jet Li. No. That's like people have to dig for that one. Yeah, that's like the high risk Jet Li where he was wearing that yellow spandex suit that Bruce Lee used to wear all the time. It was like his modern like take on that. He has like a lot of those movies. Yes. It was, oh gosh, there's so many from the nineties. Uh, he didn't break out until like really two thousands in my opinion as like a, a global star. Uh, Anita Mui was, uh, Ooh. was also the woman who's in a lot of the Jackie Chan movies. So she Jackie is that Chan she movies. was that pop star died very young in the two thousands, and then they have a bronze 90s. statue of her in Beijing, uh, um, Hong Kong. or Hong Kong. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, Wrong, they have that crazy. It's like so tragic how young she died too. She was forty. Yeah. 
Yeah, pretty young. I think it was cancer. Legend of the Drunken Master? Oh, yeah, it was like a tumor. He did Legend of Drunken Master, and then like mm-hmm. six years later, it was dead. Yeah, this is wild. Unfortunate. Oh, yeah. Unfortunate. But yeah, this one was great. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I honestly, I wanted to go back and watch it. I didn't. I wasn't able to because it might not hold up. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I'm going to You got to take that plunge sometimes. I'm keep it in my mind and say it still holds up. I'm going to say it holds up. I get scared about that, but then I think there's so many good movies that sometimes it's okay to filter out things that don't hold up because I'll still have too much. <laughs> it's true. Um, it's a good but this is like my jelly choice. It's a good jelly choice. Yeah. All right. What's your number three? Well, unfortunately, I don't have any jelly choices online. I, I kind of backed away from putting uh, Unleashed, also known as Danny the Dog, on that's or, or the um, Fearless. Those are real good or the one. But no, my number three, a more profound movie, a more deep political dividing movie. I'm talking Jim Katah. Jim Oh my god. He's going cheesy. I'm going cheesy. I'm talking fucking Kurt Thomas, the unfortunate not Olympic competing gold medalist, was robbed a medal but given a movie in return. Jim Katah, in my opinion, is one of the strangest but most enthralling martial arts movies I've ever seen. I swear to you. There's something about Robert we'll see Robert Klaus is the director. <laughs> What do you what do you know about Robert Klaus? I know nothing about Robert. He made Klaus. fucking Enter the Dragon. Oh shit, that's, that, that's Dude, dude, Klaus. go to go to the, go to this guy's list of fucking movies that he's made. It's a fucking murderer's row of like goddamn like fucking legit martial arts movies. Enter he, the Dragon, let's see, the Pad Game of Death. Yeah. Oh shit. He's got some fucking bangers in there. Look. Warrior. The Big Brawl. <laughs> the Big Brawl. <laughs> China O'Brien's good. I like the China O'Brien movies. They're they're it's, it's weird. They're weird, and it's like if like a blonde chick, like uh, Irish blonde chick, does martial arts, but it's great in the same okay. sense that uh, Jim Katah is great. But Kurt Thomas is robbed of getting his gold medal because he's meant to attend the uh, 1980 uh, Olympic Games, mm-hmm. and he's going to compete in gymnastics. And because of the time, uh, because of at the time, uh, Russia had invaded. Afghanistan during uh, their time as being the U- uh, the Soviet Union. Yeah. So when the USSR invaded it, the uh, the Olympics said essentially we're not going to we're gonna we're gonna have Russia in. We're gonna allow them to compete, and the United States said we're boycotting. And because they boycotted, he never got a chance to earn his gold medal. And this guy had won so many gymnastic medals over the years in all these different competitions that weren't the Olympics. So he was like a, a guaranteed win. And he got robbed that. So in return, he invested his money into Hollywood and things like this. And he partnered up with Robert Klaus because he's like, I love Enter Dragon. I love your movies. And he goes like, let's do it. Let's make a martial arts movie and essentially make the villains kind of, you know, Soviet style, you know, USSR style kind of Eastern Bloc villains in the fictional uh, country of Parmesistan or or whatever it's called. Parmistan? Yeah, Parmistan. It's Parmistan. Parmesian. It's pronounced Parmesian. No, no, but Parmistan. So like... It's a, it's like the game of death, like the John Claude Van Damme style competition of like get through this decathlon and you're gonna die. And he created his own martial arts style, not for the movie, not not in the movie they created. Like he made up a martial arts style, then asked them to implement it in the movie. He said, "Okay, I'm gonna do this movie, but here's my martial arts style that I integrated with gymnastics. I want it in the movie." And they, they just said, "Fucking all right, let's do it." And so Jim Katah is what they called it, and he. Literally just does gymnastic moves that line up with like kicking people in the face. That's beautiful. 
at one point in this weird competition, he's in the middle of a town with crazy people, like an obstacle, like on a court, like say you're playing golf and like a sand trap's an obstacle. This is the, this obstacle is a town of crazy people. They're like, get through the town of crazy people. It's just a town of crazy people that exist on this <laughs> the death decathlon as like a normal like fucking obstacle to get around. And in the center of the town, for some reason, there's like a gymnastics horse that he hops on and he spins around and fights the, everyone in the town with it by just spinning around the little gymnastics horse. It's such a weird, and it's that balance beam kind of bar. That's what they call them. It's like a gym, they call it a horse, but it's like really kind of like a balance beam. Yeah. But it's so bizarre. It's like, why is this here? Oh, it's only here so he could do his maneuvers and fight the entire town. And he, you know, of course, gets to the end, wins all that jazz. But it's the whole time you're just like, this is such a bizarre premise. And it's just yeah. rolling on and everyone's rolling on with it. The actors are playing along. Everyone's doing it. And it's just, and the maneuvers that he get, the maneuvers he did are good gymnastics. He is a actual gymnast. Yeah. Not competing, but would have been a gold medal gymnast. Right. So it's like all polished. It's great. That's why I say it's a good martial arts movie, but... It's fucking compared to things like even Master of the Flying Guillotine. It's just a little absurd. It's like uh, I almost put um, Miami Connection over this, but Miami Connection felt too grounded compared to this. So I was just like, "This is not wild enough." I'm fucking going with Jim Kata. Like that's easy number three for me. Like it had to be on the list, and not quite an official martial arts movie enough to make it in the top two. But I, I would, I could watch this movie any day. Anytime, put it on. <laughs> it's just like whatever. Jim Kata. More. I wish more people knew about it. Jim, yeah, a lot of people don't know about the Jim Kata. Yeah, there. Kurt Thomas went on to become like an actor in a few other movies and never really had like a breakout career, but he's immortalized at least this way. I, th- I th- if he would have became a gold medalist, I would have forgotten him because of Jim Kata. I'll remember him forever. Yeah. I will make sure more people remember. I will push this out. I'll pedal this to to the masses. To the masses. <laughs> Here we oh. go. Um, all right. All right. Number two. Moving on. So my number two is The Raid. Okay. Which you brought up already. Mm-hmm. I, will, I will bring up. Uh, this is where I was considering uh, also Ong Bak as well, but chose mm. The Raid. Uh, nice. I also was considering in this spot The Matrix. As Not an bad. option. Not bad. Uh, that That's was fair. also a very I would consider that a lot as that 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 was that was great, but it was also more of a pastiche mm-hmm. of other things. True. And didn't really uh, invigorate or revitalize anything in the martial arts cinema game. So as much as I loved what it was, I did not Put it on the list. I chose the raid as well, and I thought about choosing the raid too as well because that was that was also a great film. Um, but yeah, I ended up going with the raid. The first time I seen this later than everyone else too. It took me a while to get to this, uh, but when I saw it, I was I was just floored. And um, if if people like things like John Wick. Um, you could probably thank the raid for that style of yes. martial arts uh, filmmaking, because um, this is what that film is. It's a guy that goes from floor one to floor, t- f- the top floor. He he just clears a building. 
That is the story. He's clearing a building. Well, it was like I was saying with the the Dread movie. Like that was that That's was similar, yeah. fucking like I'm like you guys are love lettering the shit out of the. You guys really like that movie, and I yeah. saw the reviews. Like, yeah, no, it was it's the greatest action movie ever. We fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like it, it deserves that, and it's such a it's yeah. a weird one. And I'm I'm surprised you came to it late, but I'm not surprised that you eventually got to it because it had such a voice around it where people were just like, no, you have to fucking see this movie. Like I can yeah. see people not letting go of that. We're like, no, go stop what you're doing go see the right <laughs> drop what you're doing yes. pull over right now but just watch on your phone i don't care <laughs> the scene specifically that stands out is mm-hmm. the one where he's in the wall and the sword yeah he punches the sword in and yeah. it's like the tension that they build up to that moment is like my i was like on edge the whole time the attention perfect. of detail where they don't allow you to lose immersion mm-hmm. is the part where he reaches up and he purposely grabs the blade where his the blood is being spilt mm-hmm. and he holds on to it as like a way to wipe it off when the guy pulls out the blade. Yes. So when the guy pulls out the blade that there's not just blood on it now. It's like exactly. that's good fucking attention to detail yes. when it comes to filming that a lot of people fuck up on. Yes. And this movie with so much chaos going on still remember to fucking do that. Like that that has to be one of the best martial arts movies of all time because yeah. they're not lazy about even Ooh. just making a movie. Like that's so a lot of people will be like, hey, we got martial arts. That's our movie. That's the gimmick. All the other mm-hmm. shit's dumb. Mm-hmm. We don't even try. We're gonna phone it in. Here is like, no, we want a good action movie that just happens to have martial arts. Yes. Yeah, I want to see them more. Yeah, I wish there was. There's a raid three. Right. I wish something. there needs to be more raid. Just give them money to make something. I want to see it. I want to uh, see it. Uwaz needs more more screen time too. I'd like like a movie where it's like him versus Tony Jaa. That'd there be dope. You there you go. I would like to see that. Um, Tony Jaa did uh, stunt work on uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Did you know that? No, uh, I did not. That's pretty dope. Yeah. Very impressed. That's cool. All right. What's your number two? This has uh, gone back and forth over the years, but it's definitely got to be Legend of the Drunken Master with Jackie Chan. Which, by process of elimination, I'm assuming is your number one. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> uh, originally, and for many years, it was uh, Rumble in the Bronx. That's my favorite Jackie Chan movie yes. as a kid that got me in. That got me into Jackie Chan, and then it was just fucking. That's it from there. I just kept watching all of it. But Legend of the Drunken Master is the first time, and I remember I was in middle school when I first watched it. That I was like, holy shit, this is not only like a good martial arts movie, this is a fucking dope ass setting of a movie. Like, this is a very much a period yes. piece. Like, this very much pulls me into the time and the place and the cultural differences and the issues going on in Hong Kong at that time. Yes. And I loved it. I loved it so much. I love it, it, it that it was intelligent, but also like the choreography was fucking wild. Right? Way more acrobatics. And this is a movie that just came out, they made it the year before Rumble in the Bronx. Yet Jackie Chan seems so different in that movie versus Rumble in the Bronx, which I went back and rewatched that. I hadn't seen that movie in probably about five years. And even then, I was noticing some problems. It's like, that's not, obviously it's not Bronx. They filmed it in Toronto. Yeah. Like, there are no mountains in, Tor- in the Bronx. There are no fucking mountains. <laughs> I've been there. There's no fucking mountains. So it's like, there are times where you're like, oops, that's, tr- that's fucking Toronto. You're in, whoops. So that's a bit of a problem. Um, some of the just 
the weird dubbing and like the the Canadian like they're supposed to be New York villains, but they're obviously Canadian actors. So there's that kind of immersion that it takes you out of. Whereas the Legend Drug Master doesn't have any of that. Like everybody feels great. The British actors, even when they're kind of dubbed, still sound British and like. It feels like they did a lot of ADR in the movie, but it all still fits to the kind of style of that mm-hmm. traditional Hong Kong kind of martial arts movie. Yeah. And uh, honestly, when it came down to it, it's just that's my rainy day. No matter what's going on, like I could put that Jackie Chan movie on and feel fucking great. Yeah. I love the cultural setting. I love how they approach the food, how they like maintain their drinks and different types of beverages and how like you feel like you're in a setting where they're in a market and it feels real. Like, the market doesn't feel like extras. Like, it really feels like Jackie Chan's around those people in the market, and they're just normal people in the market, not extras in a movie. Yes. And there's a lot of movies that fuck that up for some reason, but it feels like so many of these martial arts, especially Hong Kong-style Chinese movies, are fucking just like, here's our real setting, and it feels like these people lived in it, and they're not just here for the day or the shoot. Right. They've always been here. This is their normal life. They wake up. And so I like that movie for that. The, the history, Breaking into America's, American Success did, you know, sold it for me as a kid. Like Rush Hour is a dope movie. I love that. I still like it, but you know, those movies are great when you're younger. You're like, that's fucking amazing. But then you go back and you watch the Police Story movies. Uh, fucking the Operation uh, was Operation Condor was a part of the Armor of the Gods. That was the sequel, I believe. Yeah. And. Um, those movies are great. They're fucking amazing. They're so much better. And you wouldn't see them unless they re-release them here or you want dug them up. Like you want found them on the internet and rewatch them yourself. And those didn't get the appreciation because they're a little more high risk. Yeah. If you watch the older Jack Chan movies, his fucking rate of getting injured in the credits is so much higher. So much higher. It's absurd. And I, I feel like that got lost over time, even though some of his older movies are still pretty badass. Did you ever see The Foreigner? With him versus like yeah, Pierce Brosnick dealing with the IRA stuff again. Yeah, that's that's something I should really return to. Oh, should, I should have watched that on the on fucking St. Patrick's Day. That's a, that's a pretty Irish movie. <laughs> Even though they're technically the villain, <laughs> they blow up his kid, and that turns into like a Taken. <laughs> Except you didn't take. She's completely taken. <laughs> she's gone. <laughs> they ain't getting her back, so he's just out for blood. And he's like, "You're like seventy years old, Jackie Chan. You're like leaping out of the corner, murking a dude like." He's such a powerhouse. He's one of the most globally known action heroes of all time. And it just like that movie, I would almost put it at number one, but I feel like the movie, obviously what I picked, mm-hmm. kind of encompasses everything. So, but there you go. I fucking love that movie. Such a good movie. Uh, such a good movie. I mean, think about the part with the villain. He's like, and that's the cool part is all the villains and all the characters uh, hold weight. Every extra character that shows up and has like dialogue shows up again and has like a a, a personality that you recognize. Mm-hmm. Like you're like, oh, that's the that's the gang member who's whiny, and then that's the gang member who's like timid, and that's the gang member who thinks he's tough. And it's just like they play they keep those personas, and, and then the there's like a good mid level boss, and then there's a good final boss. And his kicks, man, he kicks so fast it's like blades. <laughs> and Jackie Chan's like, oh shit. And I say it's like the drunken master against the super kicker. <laughs> but I'm sure we'll talk about it more when we get to one for you. So we'll move it on. All right. Um, before we make it to number one, mm-hmm. I'm just going to list off some things that came to my mind. Oh, some runner-ups. Some the, uh, the uh, special didn't, notes. Didn't or, get... Uh, Honorary recommendations. Didn't get added, yeah. 
Uh, let's see. I have Only the Strong. You ever watch Only the Strong? The Capoeira movie? No. With uh, Robert Damascus? Or no, I've not seen this. You know who the dude, the yeah. uh, Iron Chef dude? Yeah. Uh, who's now in uh, the, we, the John Wick movie. So yeah, yeah. He's, he's been supplanted as like a, as a full hero in those. Yeah. yeah. That's weird. Um, no, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, He's like a, a Capoeira. He was a guy who went to Brazil. He's a Green Beret, and he learned Capoeira. Did he learn it from Eddie Gordo from Tekken? He learned it from Eddie, a guy that looks almost like Eddie Gordo. <laughs> I'm not trying. That's not racist. <laughs> hey, it, it's it's just a coincidence. <laughs> they dress exactly the same, have the same hair, and same height and color, but sure. <laughs> and he returns to Miami, Florida, to teach Capoeira to. It's it's essentially. I must teach these kids capoeira. <laughs> How do I reach these How kids do I reach these with capoeira? <laughs> oh, yeah. Capoeira. Just keeping them off the streets one wheelhouse kick at a time. <laughs> we gotta watch that. Gonna, yeah, I gotta, gotta I'm gonna watch, watch it. Yeah, we'll put that on. All it right. sounds like a good like 420 um, movie. Equilibrium. Oh yeah. Post, yeah. Uh, Into the Dragon. Mm-hmm. Police Story. You see, I kept the Bruce Lee movies off the list because I feel like. Any artist can agree the Sistine Chapel is beautiful and is like a magnificent piece of artwork. That's not like, it's like, what's your favorite piece of artwork? That's easy. That's a layup. So any of the Bruce Lee movies were too easy. That's getting into the argument of like, what's the best martial arts movie of all time? That's why I didn't go with those. Because it's like, there's no, I don't feel a personal connection to Enter the Dragon. I love Enter the Dragon, but there was never, that was a ubiquitously loved movie. Like, I love those there's nothing films. unique about that. I love those films, but Bruce Lee... It was always about he treated fighting as like something that should be done in seconds. One or two punches yes. or a kick. Yes. The um, Juke Kondo style and, is, and his, I got to defeat you no matter and what. And his movies mirrored that. Yes. And that fighting is boring. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what I love about Jackie Chan is that he comes from Chinese opera. Mm-hmm. He has that like uh, circus performer the circus approach. Circus performer, the, the dancing aspect of it where you get well, the, like uh the type of film style is is what is indicative of it. It's that the wuxu wuchu. It's the the Chinese martial arts film genre. Essentially, it's yeah. got like a specific term, kind of like how we were talking. Tokusatsu is like a high concept kind of thing. That's theirs. Um, but like that is very much about the elegance of the opera performance in the mm-hmm. choreography, yes. and that mirrors into Jackie Chan's overall martial arts, but then his overall production value and how he does his movies. And that's it. Yeah. Jackie Chan deserves that. But having said that, the tension and the overall just unique attacks of like the Fist of Fury when he fights uh, the Chuck Norris one where Mm -hmm. Bruce Lee fights Chuck Norris. It's just like, I grab your hair off your chest. And like just little moves like that is very subtle, but it's impactful. Yeah. And those those movies are still so phenomenally good, but they are not as fucking scary. You're not as jarring. We're like, oh, Jackie Chan's going to fucking die in real life. He might die in real life in this scene (laughs) because he's like, (laughs) oh, my God. Oh, I could go back to Legend of Drug Master, but we're going to get there. I want for you, so. Yeah. Um, what else? Kung Fu Hustle. Kung Fu Hustle's good. Bloodsport. Yeah. I kept a lot of the like, Kung Pao and Kung Fu Hustle I kept off because they're they're too much of a lampoon. Yeah. But they're Same. good. Yeah, they're, Fearless. Fearless is really fucking good. That's such a good jelly. Wing Chun. Wing Chun is good. That's Donnie Young and uh, Michelle Yeoh. Michelle that was her big breakout commercial success she had done movies up to that point but that was the one in china where she became a fucking just powerhouse and everyone was just like yeah michelle yo from this point on 
Uh, and then uh, Meals on Wheels. You that's comedy. That? That's yeah. That. That's that that's one. comedic Jackie Chan. That's you got Benny mm-hmm. the Jet in there. Mm-hmm. Boxer, kickboxer. Great movie. Great. It's movie. A, yeah, it's funny. It's well, it, it's aged a little rough, but because it's like the jokes are a little cornier, but it's it's still that's a uh, the physical comedy. It's mm-hmm. top notch. Still, still top still notch. Great. So. Yeah. But good choice, yeah. Good stuff. Um, any for you that come to mind? Uh, the only one I didn't put on the list that I re- almost made it that wasn't kind of tied in those weird struggles that was unique on its own was um, Revenge of the Ninja, which is like, I, I didn't have any real like Japanese martial arts movies on here and I kind of wanted Same. to. and uh, But then I felt like, all right, well, enough of these other movies kind of have characters from Japan as martial artists in them. So there's, sure, it's from the Chinese depiction, but I guess it's culturally enough like integrated where i'll give it because like revenge of the ninjas are totally an you know american japanese collaboration yeah. like the canon group made it with like i think it was like west paramount or something back in the day or mgm i believe and they they make this such like fucking just weird stereotypical ninja movie like as if they were reading like a secondhand person regurgitating stereotypes about ninjas and they just made it into a legit movie that's super gory the choreography is very brutal the guy's actually getting beat and bloodied and he's actually doing his own stunts. Like he's a he's like a Japanese dude that's doing a Jackie Chan style approach mm-hmm. of I'll fall, get cut, and let's just keep it. Let's fucking he had to get a lot of medical treatment every day. So it was a good movie. I liked it. It just it didn't quite get up to the level of shock that Jim Kata had. Yeah. And it was close enough to Jim Kata where I didn't want to put it in the list over Jim Kata. And since we had to be five, I wanted to differentiate. And I felt like if I already had Master of the Flying Guillotine, mm-hmm. Jim Kata, and this movie, my list didn't feel like diverse enough in my mind of like what represented wh- what I what I liked on martial arts. Yeah, but that's it. Yeah, Revenge of the Ninja. That's the only one. I also left off any of the '80s martial arts films, like from, yeah, like, all of them. American Samurai, <laughs> or, yeah. like, Best of the oh, Best. Oh God, we'll see. I guess uh, yeah, I mentioned Bloodsport. I guess technically that's one of mm-hmm. them too. Yeah, um, American Samurai is also a joke. Like that, yeah. that movie's not serious. <laughs> they know what they're fucking doing, especially in the second one. But yeah, yeah, Revenge of the, the Ninja is very much like the evolution of what came out of American Samurai. Yeah, but the parts where I'm like these people take this movie seriously, but then I'm like, wait. I feel like sometimes they're fucking with me and they know that this shit is kind of ha- hoaxy and campy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's like a little kid who beats up like a bunch of teenagers. <laughs> it's just like, whatever. And then his grandma's like whipping on people too. It's great. Uh, go. Oh, that's great. But now's the time for us to The piece to resist all. Number one. You want to go first? Sure. Well, you, well oh, fucking you know. master of the flying guillotine. I mean, let's let's point out the fact that that is a very ubiquitous kind of pragmatic approach to what is popular in kung fu movies at that time. There is the fatal flying guillotine. Yes. There's just the flying guillotine, and then there then there's this master of the flying guillotine. None of those movies are connected. None of them like there's the guillotine that overlaps it, mm-hmm. sure, but the characters, the story, the plot—they're all different. Because the flying guilty is just such a dope thing that they're like, can we just use this a couple more times and see if anyone notices? It? <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and and that's what really makes you appreciate the uniqueness of Master Flying Guillotine is it is a thing in itself that creates a genre out of itself and all the villains and characters that take place into it. Like there's a Muay Thai boxer that's super stereotypical. There's a, yeah. a you know a karate master super stereotypical. A Indian arm stretching blackface dude who is like. <laughs> 
Like his arm stretching is wild. Like he's, you can hear the mechanical like apparatus stretching his arm out, but they keep it in there, and I don't know why. Maybe they think it sounds like his bones are stretching, mm-hmm. and that's why they go with it. But it was such a weird thing, and see him fight with it was so bizarre, so funny, but also like kind of fascinating. Like yeah. a, when you're just like watching like a chicken run around without its head on, you're just like <laughs> it's just like weird. <laughs> it's just so bizarre and unnatural. None of this makes sense, but okay. I won't look away. I'll let it continue because it's just a fucking train wreck. And then there's some of the martial arts is really good. And it's not gimmicky with those things. Like, there are actually people doing, like, maneuvers and, like, actually doing good tumbles and backflips. And then there are things that are, like, put up by wireframe and actual props and things that are very, like, unique and, and like, kind of surreal. Like, you're like, okay, that guy can't stand on the wall, but he's walking on the wall. And he's like, let me show you my flying technique. And he just walks on the wall. <laughs> There's like a weird nod to techniques in this whole thing. Like they didn't even need to bring it, but at one point he's like, "I'm going to show some techniques to my students." Right. Yeah. The one on boxer just trains his students stuff, oh, and then, and then he starts breaking out that music, and he's just like, "I'll show breaking you my moves, my one arm move." You know, just dancing, doing the thing. But essentially, the plot of this movie is that in the one arm boxer, he fought two Buddhist monks that were trained in unique fighting styles that were hired as assassins to kill the one arm boxer, and he defeats him. Their master returns to avenge them and he goes out looking for a one-armed boxer and you're just like oh that's super unique fucker finds three one-armed boxers before he get about by the time he gets to the final guy who is the one-armed boxer and you're just like how many one-armed boxers in the tournament the guy goes to because he's a known the one-armed boxer is a known martial artist who's a legend of the land a a master of a school invites him to attend his tournament that he's having and he watches it with his students and one of the people competing in the tournament is a one-armed boxer Yep. It's just like, why the? F- how are the chances of a one arm boxer being in the tournament that is being spectated by a one arm boxer? Oh, wow. And there is a guy on the lookout to hunt a one arm boxer. Yeah, it, was, <laughs> it was back in the day. You don't really get away with a lot. Like, you don't <laughs> die with all your limbs. You make it, it's lucky if you like actually survive to death with all your limbs. I guess, but it's just like they were really hamming up that plot. And then when he initially, like, the one arm boxer leaves because he doesn't want to compete in the tournament, the other one arm boxer gets killed by the guy and the guy says i'm here to kill the one-armed boxer but then he starts acting like the guy he just killed wasn't a one-armed boxer and is and he's like still trying to question to find the one that he doesn't know left and it's just such a weird like disconnect between that kind of like the dialogue yeah. oh and so we're talking about the, dialogue, the reason why i love this movie and this is a little tangent i need to go on why like these movies are important and you need to try to like download them and keep them and like hold on to them some of these movies are rips that you'll never get ripped again and once the people stop sharing them online or seeding them or you can't find them to download through a streaming service like they're lost forever they're gone, forever. They're gone for fucking ever We'll never see it again. Like, do you remember when they had that fire in like the 1920s or something, 1930s at Paramount, and they had that crazy fire because of the type of material that the film was on? Nitrate. That's, yeah, nitrate. So it's like that was like a Alexandria moment where it's yeah. like we lost all that, but not not in like actual information, but in film information and film technique, we lost all that stuff. So it's like you could have that kind of moment with these martial arts films where eventually some of them are gone forever. But the version I have, I'm keeping because even though it's only in I believe 720. It's not in 1080. All the 1080 versions I could find, the aspect ratio is closed up so bad that it cuts out like a good chunk of the movie and looks terrible. So I keep this version because it's a good aspect ratio and it's Mm -hmm. the highest definition I can get. And it's both dubbed and subbed intermittently. So, I mean, they'll be talking in a dubbed voice and then the classic yellow subs will pop on and they'll start speaking in their native language. 
and then they'll pop back and forth. And it's just random. It's always random. Wow. And it adds to the enjoyment of the movie, in my opinion. It makes it so fucking just a cacophony of, of, of like a carnival nonsense that you're like, I can't wait to see what happens next in this fucking movie. Oh, this guy's arms are stretching. <laughs> it's just like, I really appreciate that version. And that version is, I, I had to dig for that. I had to dig for months to try to find that one. And now I'm like, I'm never letting go of this again. Like, I, I'll probably never find another never. another version. Yeah. That's amazing. But yeah, like that that that's the appreciation I had for that movie because there's so much to the genre it it mined out and expanded upon that so many movies afterwards kind of t- took from it because it's a tournament movie. They're literally fighting in a tournament, but it's also a movie about revenge. And it's also a movie about like these little interpersonal relationships. You could break apart Master of the Flying Guillotine and make three separate movies and they would all be good movies. But because you put them together in this and you think it's too much, the chaos bleeds together in one like tornado of a movie all fitting together in this whirlwind that kind of keeps you going doesn't ever stop you don't ever get a chance to like kind of like oh the energy is dropping in this movie you're like nope nope next scene next scene what's happening next what the fuck just happened i mean the dude in the fucking blackface with the stretchy arms had an owl at one point that he throws as a weapon he fucking used the owl on his shoulder as like a ranged attack and it scratches up the one on boxer's face oh man i could go on about that movie for ages but What's your number it's a good one, sir? Movie, as you know, mine is Legend of the Drunken Master, uh-huh. as you had on your list. This is the second film now. Yes. The first film was okay. It was okay. It was fun. It was entertaining. It still had some like comedy to it, but it just did not have what Drunken Ma- Legend of the Drunken Master had. The second one. Had. That was a Yu Wong Ping. Yu Wong Wu Ping. Yu Wu Ping. Yeah, he was the the old man who is the the trains him in the drunken style. He's the uh Oh no, no, I'm sorry. It was his son directs it and he plays the his father plays the old man who is the one who does the drunken style. It's weird like the son is the director and the father is like one of the lead actors. And so essentially what happens is is they make this movie and Jackie Chan's a big part of it and this kind of launches his career. Jackie Chan comes back to it his creative differences over Yu Wu Ping and how the approach to alcoholism is handled in the first movie. Mm-hmm. Jackie Chan says, like, we don't really make a narrative that the alcoholism could be a problem to a person and that just drinking makes you more powerful in the first movie. I don't, in this next movie, I don't want to do that. I want to show both sides. I want to do, like, kind of like a, a double edged sword of what alcohol is. And so they split. Yu Wu Ping does not make, is not involved creatively in Drunken Master. Uh, two, Legend of Drunken Master, um, and he goes off to make Drunken Master three, which is not canonically connected, but still called Drunken Master three. <laughs> so it's wild, but so Jackie Chan does a different approach, and he's the one who helms Legend of Drunken Master and ends up making a lot of the creative decisions and has this whole like, okay, like look how fucking I'm falling apart, look how gross I am. In the end of the movie, did you know something weird about the ending? Have you ever watched the movie in its original language subbed? I believe so. Okay. In the end of the dubbed version, they say, where's Jackie? I want to congratulate. Or where's uh, Wu Fei Hong? Mm-hmm. Wu Fei Hong. Where's Wu Fei Hong, which is actual an actual folk hero in Japan. Apparently, he's like a legendary folk hero. Like, you know how we have like Johnny Appleseed and all yeah. that shit. Like, Wu Fei Hong apparently is a folk hero that actually comes up in a bunch of shit. And so, 
um they're like where's Wu Fei Hong and she's like oh he's sleeping off a hangover like he's still dealing with the effects and then it ends on like a happy note in the subbed version they say he's brain damage they mention that he has suffered brain damage from the effects of the sacrifice that he went through to drink that alcohol at the end to defeat the kicking guy wow yeah yeah, wow. <laughs> You're like, whoa. Damn. And that's like Jackie Chan wanted a hard line on that where he's like, even though I won in the end, I want people to know it was a sacrifice. And so when uh, Dimension got a hold of it, I think that's who released it in uh, the United States a few mm-hmm. years later. After like the success of Rumble in the Bronx, they went back and re-released a bunch of Jackie Chan movies. That's why we get fucking Super Cop is, yeah, is and uh, First Strike, Operation Condor. Those are all sequels that they relabeled. You know what crazy Super Cop series is? There's there's four canon Super Cop straight movies that is like Super Cop 1 through 4, and then there's like Crime Story. Or no, not Super Cop, uh, Police Story. Police Story. There's Police Story like 1 through 4, and then there's like Crime Story, and then there's the reboot, New Police Story, and then they made a sequel to that, and then they're doing a new reboot, also still starring Jackie Chan. There's like the Police Story franchise has like seven, eight movies, something like that, and they're all kind of loosely connected. Except for the reboots, but but yeah, but I digress. Like this was like they re-released it, they dubbed it, and and it had like a lot of that stuff kind of changed and edited out to sound a little more less dour. Yeah, yeah, interesting. But, yeah, That's yeah, I love it. It's fascinating. <laughs> that weird backstory is like I, I didn't know crazy. that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah, that's why he's not involved. The old man doesn't show up. The father is technically the only character who is the is a returning character, but not actor. Like his father is in the Drunken Master as a main pivotal character, mm-hmm. and like he has this like fat cousin, and his aunt shows up with his. Um, but that aunt, I don't think, is supposed to be his stepmom, even though his stepmom is his aunt. I don't think that was supposed to be the same character. Right. And so, like the only characters that do return is Wu Fang Hong and his father, but obviously, his father's not the same actor, and they don't really make any nods to the original Drunken Master being canon in Drunken Master 2, even though they did call it Drunken Master 2 out the gate. Hmm. But there's not anything. There's not like a reference. There's not like... They he they know that he's he's Wu Fei Hong and they know he does drunken boxing, but they don't ever be like, oh, well, yeah, but you learned that from that guy that we had come down to teach you because he was a piece of shit and his father's like, I want to teach you a lesson and someone have this drunken guy like assault you for a summer. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> it's essentially what that person feels. Yeah. Uh, but that's it, I, I tried I tried to like find like I was like, do any of the characters return? Is there any like direct like is any of Drunken Master one through three connected? And they're like, No, the characters are they name a couple of them, but for the most part, Jackie Chan's the only actor returns from one to two. Everything else is just different. You could almost even say, like, that's why they called it Legend of the Drunken Master when they released it here, because you don't need to see the first one. You, you absolutely do not need to see the first one. Not at all. And they have the weapon choreography in this, like the spear fighting, the sword fighting, the, the axe. Remember when, he then when he's fighting the axe? The, the axe yeah, gang with crazy. the bamboo. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, fucking he, he spits the oil on him and ties the bamboo stick so he can wield it better and he's slipperier. Dude, like, yeah. really burned dope. himself, too, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in all those scenes. This is what I wanted to get into, is that that scene where he, like, falls on the burning uh, embers of the charcoal and such, it's like, that was all, like, his hands were actually blistered yeah. and burnt up, like, second and, like, third degree burns. Yeah, that's crazy. He was scarred from that movie, which is crazy because... He had broken his leg in the next film, uh, Rumble in the Bronx, and then filmed like another film on top of that with that leg still broken. Oof. It's just like fucking Jackie Chan's a beast. Yeah, 
That's rough. beast. That is rough. But that's a great number one. Like I really, yeah. it. I only went with Master Flying Guillotine because it's like it. It references almost every martial arts movie we like. Yep. There's something in it. Yep, that's a good one. That's a good one. They're both good choices. I love all of these, and there's so many more that I could choose from. Mm-hmm. We could go through this list. Oh, yeah. Ever. We kept it to five because we, we couldn't do – we don't have enough time to record three hours. <laughs> we can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, three hours. It's like we're already, we're already up to an hour and a half, and yeah. it's like that was five. Yeah, we're That means if we would have done ten, it would have been, been three hours. Three hours, for <laughs> Easily. Sure. For sure. Easily. But um, no, that's good, though. These are good. That's a good list. Good list. These are, I'm so happy we, we overlapped. That I, I, much respect to you, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's see. So what do we had? We had the uh, Master Flying Guillotine, Drunken Master, and the Raid. Yep. That was, uh, so yeah. Three out of five. Yeah. And you were close on, like, picking Unbok for a few of them. And, yeah. Yeah. You got me with your Jet Li choice and your Jackie Chan choice, though. I would have. Those are good. Those are, those are surprising. I like that. I like both of Much those. respect to that. For Jeez. sure. Um. Yeah. But uh. Yeah. That, that. That's it. That's it. That's all we have to talk about yeah. martial arts films. Next, we'll talk about something else. Who knows? I don't know what. The, I don't know what direction this is going. We don't even have a name for this yet. But we, uh, we, we, we do. don't even know what we're doing. It's like every every podcast. We don't know. We're just winging it. We, we just wing this shit. We don't know what we're doing. We do have a website though. We do have a website. Yeah. Visit uh, freespeechgeek.com and uh, that's where our podcast will be hosted come and check it out uh be on the lookout there will still be uh podcast of x uh episodes in the future we'll still talk about x-men soon eventually there's maybe. stuff there there's stuff there'll, there's stuff brewing yeah. um there's old stuff that's always keep good keep a lookout we got WonderCon next week so i'll probably have some stuff to talk about from there but that'll do it for us this week um I don't know what to, how to sign off on this. Go watch, uh, go watch Drunken Master. Go, get out of here. Yeah, Just learn some wushu, bitches. Wushu it up. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you love this podcast, we have a lot more content over at freespeechgeek.com. We have upcoming convention coverage, news about your favorite weeb shit. We also do in-depth takes, like are some fans more religious than Christians, Jews, and Muslims? Spoiler alert, yes, some of you crazy people are. All that and more over at freespeechgeek.com. Go check it out, you psychopaths.